Good evening and welcome back to News with Nick, where I'll go through some of the events that have occurred in the past fortnight in commercial aviation. Tonight we have three bits of news I'd love to share with you guys, so strap yourself in for an episode of the news. So news story number one, this is huge because for the first time in 24 years, Emirates has refreshed its livery. Now before I get into the details, I want to say we put up a poll when this happened on our Instagram we asked you guys, the lovely viewers, which tail design you like better, old or new. And I can reveal that the results were 56% in favour of the new, while the other 44% of you guys preferred the old. So really, really tight margins in the polls. That's what we love to see. And let us know what you guys think of these little interactive activities, whether you like it or not. Anyhow, back to Emirates. Let's quickly go through the design changes on the new livery. It was rolled out on the 16th of March on an Airbus A380 registered A6EOE or Alpha 6 Echo Oscar Echo. The new livery comprises of the gold-fonted Emirates branding on the sides of the aircraft, which are now 32.5% larger than before. Gone is the advertising of the website emirates.com, but they've brought in a new wingtip design where the outer section, which is now painted red, with the Emirates white Arabic calligraphy painted on. On the inside of those wingtips, you've got the tail design painted on there, which is a very nice touch. Now, speaking of the tail, I personally think they've done a great job of it. It's more dynamic, more modern looking now without losing too much of its brand identity. I know it's meant to represent the UAE flag, but that tail design kind of looks like it belongs at the Formula One. Which is a shame because now Qatar always sponsors the thing. So, <laughs> well, what, do, what, do you guys, what do you guys think of the new livery? We won't get to see it fly over any of the F1 races. But, I mean, Emirates sponsors enough sports. I'm sure everyone will see their fair share of the new livery. That is true. That is true. I, lo- I love the new livery. I love the, uh, the design. It actually looks like a flowing flag as well. So, really nice touch to it. I love what they've done with the wingtips, personally. How they've made it red on the outside. And on the inside, they've done that thing where... You've got the tail design. So when you take a picture now, outside from, from the aircraft, and you take a picture from the inside, you can actually see the tail design on the wingtip. So A350 is a classic example of that one. That's just like, a classic yeah. marketing scheme, though. Like any airline, I think, if they really want to capitalise on their brand, should put the logo or some sort of logo on, on the wingtip. So whenever everyone posts the Instagram post of, oh, look, I'm going on a holiday, here's the wing. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I love the logo, but I would have loved to have also seen a change in the font of Emirates, potentially. Yeah. Still, still great. Um, but, yeah, hopefully in the future they can maybe get to that. But, yeah, loving the new livery. Love the swerve. Love the effect. Uh, really excited to see it in first person when it comes to Melbourne. It's not come to Melbourne yet, but it's been to Brisbane as of right now three times. It's going to Brisbane right now as we speak. All right, looks like yeah. we're going to Brisbane, lads. Yeah, we're going to Brisbane. <laughs> wait, wait. So it's actually coming to Australia as we speak. It's been to Brisbane three times. Oh, it's already... Sorry, it's already been I'm guessing you just said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my bad. So um, it's coming to Brisbane right now, but we're in Melbourne, so we got a two-hour flight up there. But No, it is in Brisbane right now. Landed this morning. Oh, did it? There you yeah. go. There you go. I'm trying to find on flight radar and can't see it. <laughs> anyway, moving on to item number two. Keeping with the theme of talking about Gulf carriers, I want to talk about a new flag carrier from Saudi Arabia called Riyadh Air. Now, we did know this airline was coming. It was known by a call sign of RIA or RIA. But last week, the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman revealed to the world Riyadh Air, which will compete with Emirates, Qatar Airways and Etihad on those huge international hub-and-spoke flights between Asia, Europe and Africa. At the same time, the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, PIF, announced that Riyadh Air will order 39 Boeing 787-9 aircraft with an option of 33 more. Additionally, the kingdom's existing flag carrier, Saudia, 
have ordered another 39787s too, with the option of 10 more. So why have Saudi Arabia decided to go for a second flag carrier? Now, the new airline is a key part of Vision 2030, which is a strategy laid out to diversify the kingdom's GDP, rather than having a pure reliance on oil exports. Now, according to the PIF, the new airline is expected to add over 20 billion US dollars to the country's non-oil GDP growth while creating over 200,000 jobs. The airline will serve 100 destinations by 2030. Now, adding to this, Riyadh Air CEO Tony Douglas, who was once before the man in charge of Etihad, states that the airline is positioned to be a, both a global connector and a vehicle to drive tourist and business travel to Saudi Arabia. With the new airline, it'll complement the existing flag carrier Saudia, where Riyadh Air will focus on the leisure and business travel, whereas Saudia will focus more on religious tourism into the country. Finally, last thing I want to add, there are talks of a third new airline, which will launch in Saudi Arabia, which will be based out of Neom, which is a completely new economic zone and smart city based northwest of the country. We won't talk about this too much now because we'll most likely have a separate podcast with the growth of Gulf carriers and how aviation in their respective countries have been a huge driver for their non-oil-based economic activity. I'm going to open this up to the boys. What do you think of Saudi Arabia's new airline? I want to start by saying it's actually a good point. That would make a great episode coverage, to be honest. There's so much to talk about in the, in the Gulf region and this, to me, smells of... Oh, well, our first flag carrier didn't work, so we can just start a new and no one will notice. That's what that's the vibe I get from it anyway. But why... I know you just explained it, but can we at least try and talk in more detail as to why on earth Saudi is also ordering more jets as well as Riyadh, you know? Well, look, I haven't... I personally believe that Riyadh Air will operate out of Riyadh. Obviously, it's in the name. Whereas there are other cities in Saudi Arabia that need to be operated out of. The other one is Jeddah, which is the big one. Um, so I think you're going to have different airlines that operate out of different ports. So like the UAE, right? You've got Abu Dhabi with Etihad, and you've got Dubai with Emirates. And I think that's the strategy that they're going to go with there. So when they open up Neom, does anyone know about Neom, by the way? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a bold sort of investment. What's, yeah, what's um, Neom? It's a smart city. So one of the oh, elements. So okay. one, of the, one of the elements. All you of had to Neom, say was smart city, and I know exactly what you're one talking One of the about. elements. One of the elements of Neom is a hundred and seventy kilometer long city, which is five hundred me- which is two hundred meters wide and five hundred meters tall. Yeah. The, the one that's going to be glass on both sides. It's mirrored on both sides. Mirrored yeah. on both sides there. It's mirrored on both sides. It actually started at the Mad Dogs. <laughs> it's meant to open by 2030. Do I think it'll work? Probably not. Yeah. It'd make for a couple of good B1M videos, though. Tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Be- <laughs> Do you know, in that city, mm. they're meant to have transportation. So there's no cars in that city. They're meant to have transportation that'll take you from one end of the line, which is 170 kilometers, to the other end in 20 minutes max. Yeah. The fastest a Hyperloop can go that has been clocked going is 280 miles an hour. So what if that Hyperloop breaks down? There'll be multiple Hyperloops, but there's no Hyperloop that's gone fast enough to achieve that speed to get there in 20 minutes. Okay, but what if every single Hyperloop breaks? Okay, sorry, don't take it too far on that one. And there is a chance, you never know. Like like how, are these Hyperloops going to be running on the same kind of grid or how are they going to be fueled? Are they all going to be operated through the it's same? It's all 100% renewable apparently. 
Anyway, back to aviation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I think Riyadh Air will be successful. I think the only way it can be more successful is to adopt this similar strategies to the other golf carriers, you know, heavily on hub and spoke, heavily on uh, international services. But the only way that that happens is by having a large fleet that can feed everything into one place and out again. Mm. And I don't think that they will have a large enough fleet, even with the order that they've placed. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're starting off with 39 orders. They don't want to go too fast too quick because that's a strategy that Etihad did. And for a long time, they were loss-making. Are they, they're, they're not loss-making anymore? No, they're making profits now, but they streamlined their fleet. They wanted to be an Emirates, basically, but it didn't work for them. Damn. There's a lot of other reasons why Etihad didn't work. As Once again, we'll go through that in the shame, episode. It's a shame for an airline that has one of the sexiest liveries in the world. That's true. That's very true. It is. It is. So, yes, I, I look, go around the room, but I'm going to say Riyadh will be successful in the long term if we play those cards right. Re, um, Saudi, not so much. Yeah? yeah, yeah I think... Only one airline will prevail, whether it be Saudi or Riyadh. Only one will prevail in this case. Yeah, I think I agree with Ross. Uh, uh, Saudi, I feel, will be the main carrier potentially as well, maybe. Then Riyadh will become the low-cost carrier potentially. Yeah, that's true. They don't have a low-cost carrier. True, low-cost carrier. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, Yeah, so say they don't aren't successful, which I'm not saying they are going to be unsuccessful, but if they're going down that path, the country or nation might say, all right, this will become the low-cost carrier now and we'll keep Saudi as the main line. Makes you feel very good. All right, Nick, next topic. Finally, I want to talk about the protests that are going on in France right now, explaining it very quickly and in layman's terms. Basically, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, stated that he wants to push the retirement age from 62 to 64. Now, the French haven't taken it very well. It means they have to work an extra two years before they can access their pensions. So they did what they did best, and they had a week-long protest. Now, you're wondering, probably, what has this got to do with aviation? That's a very good question. I'll tell you right now, because last week, the French Civil Aviation Authority asked airlines on Monday to cancel 20% of their flights out of Paris, Orly, and Marseille province airports on Tuesday and Wednesday. And this was due to a strike by air traffic controllers against pension reform. Now, not only did this affect flights coming in and out of these airports, but it affected all flights coming out of France, uh, flying over France, sorry, I should say. I'll explain it quickly. When French ATC go on strike, which Michael O'Leary will claim happens every Thursday, overflights are prohibited, meaning that no aircraft can fly over the country of France. Now, this isn't the first time that airlines have been vocal about this issue. Most vocal of them all is... You guessed it, Michael O'Leary from Ryanair, who continues to demand that other ANSP providers should have the ability to replace French ATC when they go on strike to protect EU overflights under minimum service laws like in Greece and Italy. Now, according to Ryanair, more than 1 million EU passengers have faced disruption as a result of 14 days of strike by French air traffic controller since the start of this year. It said there's more than 8,000 delayed flights and almost 300 cancellations as a result, while 80% of those flights which were affected weren't even French-bound flights. So these passengers are being penalised even when they weren't going to France in the first place. I mean, what do we think of this? This is pretty crazy stuff. I think it is 
the most French thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it so is. I mean, I, I saw, I've seen videos of people saying that they've gotten off flights and obviously no cars can access the airport uh, in certain, at certain times of the day. So their Uber drivers have literally walked a kilometre to pick them up and then walked their bags with them a kilometre back to the nearest available spot for the car to take them. Yeah, I saw a TikTok on that. Probably not the... That's no, not liable, I, but I yeah. actually did see a TikTok on that. Yeah. How the how the chauffeur literally had to walk from a car park about two kilometers away. Literally walked, got the bags, and led the passenger, and they had to walk back to a faraway car park because they weren't allowed yeah. in the airport. Mate, it's crazy. I remember very distinctly one of the one of the core memories I took away from when I was in Paris last time was the entire sky was just covered in nothing but jet streams. Yeah, because because air traffic is. So much more condensed over there. You don't get that here in Australia at all, obviously. Um, and and so I'm guessing over those few days, pretty clear skies. A bit more blue than people are used to. Unless actually, is it winter? Oh, it's coming into summer. Yeah. Well, spring. Uh, spring? Yeah. So potentially a bit bluer skies for the, for the French people. But uh, I would be interested to see if any airline, if it cost different airlines, certain amounts, what that amounted to, like if they're um, at a loss in some area, whether it be, um, you know, extra avgas because they've had to have extended flight plans, something like that. Yeah. Now, it's funny you mentioned that because um, a lot of the airlines that were operating into French airports had to bring in extra fuel. Yeah, right. Because obviously the refuelers went on strike as well. Apparently Air France, though, didn't get it too bad. They only had to cancel about 5% of their flights. The other, the other percentage of them were either delayed or got out. So that's actually not too bad. So, so the people who were most affected were actually the people who had nothing to do with France whatsoever, which once again is the most French thing. It is. It is the <laughs> most French thing you will ever hear. So is that the, that's the news? That's the end of the news. That caps off the news with Nick for this fortnight. Hopefully you found something really interesting or maybe you learned something new. I'll be back next fortnight with some more juicy aviation news headlines. But until for next time, bye for now. Beautiful. Thanks, Nick. Nice Appreciate it.